Welcome to The Forest and the Trees, Global and Local Perspectives on the Environment, with your host, Melinda Tuhus. I have two guests for our show today, and I think they're both going to be talking about things that uh, really could impact all of our listeners. Um, so I think they're going to be have a lot of interesting things to say. So first... Um, we have Janice Rochstein from Reading, Connecticut, who's on the Reading Tree Conservancy and also is directly threatened by possible tree removals or desire by uh, Eversource to remove some trees. Uh, and if you're on the Reading Tree Conservancy, I'm sure you can have a lot to tell us about tree conserving trees. So welcome to the show, Janice. Thank you very much, Melinda, and thank you for your concern. Yes. Well, I am a tree lover myself. I, I am a member of the Hamden Alliance for Trees, which is how I learned about you from our mutual friend, Diane Hoffman. And um, I am in, uh, I am one of the, in Hamden, which is one of, I think, 17 towns that's uh, got UI, United Illuminating, as our our energy electricity provider, but the whole rest of the state, as well as, I guess, a lot of Massachusetts, is uh, covered by Eversource, which is your company that uh, covers Reading. So tell us about this proposal, I guess, uh, and I'm not sure how far along it is, uh, that Eversource has that would drastically reduce the tree cover in your town. I'd like you to tell our listeners and, and me about what Eversource has proposed to do in Reading related to the tree canopy that could drastically, you know, reduce uh, tree coverage in your town and, and on your street. Well, they call it a resiliency project and they are determined to remove healthy trees, hundreds and hundreds of trees. Um, any tree that is over 30 feet tall is a threat to their wires. And let's face it, in Connecticut, in the towns where we live, most trees are tall trees, and that's why we live in Connecticut. What they're saying is that if a tree is in the fall zone, which means it could fall over, it might fall over, and take down a wire, that tree should be removed. It doesn't make sense, and it goes against some of the statues that protect our trees, and we in Reading are very upset, as are 12 other towns. Uh, you probably know them. I mean, they run the gamut from, from Woodstock to West Hartford, from uh, Sharon uh, to Clinton, to Chester, to Guilford. Beautiful towns with beautiful trees. And yet Eversource feels that they're a threat to their lines and they must go because they say in those towns, there have been frequent power outages. And those power outages have been affected by fallen trees. It's interesting, Melinda, when we have asked Eversource for statistics on uh, how they arrive upon this information, they tell us that, uh, well, it's just data that we've collected. We've asked them for data about post-ash tree removal. 
And let's face it, we all know in Connecticut, ash trees were a culprit for uh, down power lines. Um, they won't give us that data. Um, we've asked them for information about other solutions to this problem. But we agree that dead and dying trees should be removed, but not healthy trees. What is that gonna to do to our ecosystem? And, and you being a tree lover and people who are listening to us, what is it gonna to do to the animal habitat, to the butterflies? What's gonna to happen to the soil erosion, um, floodwater damage? What's gonna to happen to vast expanses of land that's going to be cleared and um, weeds grow up? and there'll be insect infestation. And we know that we've started to have brush fires where trees have been cleared. So this is a very serious problem. Number one, it's extreme. Number two, we are asking Pura to rule on this because we feel it's illegal. And we want them to stop Eversource from this and to come up with different solutions, which we're ready to talk with them about, which includes bearing the lines. Wow. Oh, that's, that's a great topic. Let me just add to your excellent list of problems that could come from you know, mass uh, tree cutting is that I'm also very concerned about climate issues and that that's, you know, trees are such a huge contributor to uh, maintaining a safe climate and absorbing carbon dioxide. So that's, you know, cutting down, especially big old trees would be a terrible blow to efforts to, you know, maintain our climate. It would be terrible. In fact, uh, arborists have told us that trees can lower the temperature some, some 12 uh, degrees. And, and of course, Eversource would benefit from that because people would have to use air conditioning more. And I think with the past weather that we've been experiencing, uh, they'd be making a lot more money. And I think the other thing that you're saying too about climate uh, change is that, that trees are kind of carbon sinks. They absorb all these gases. They, they help with photosynthesis. I mean, trees are our friends. And I'll give you an interesting statistic that uh, I got from the Connecticut Forest and Parks Association. They say in reviewing Eversource's plans that it includes removing 20,000 healthy and hazardous trees every year. Can you imagine 20 years from now, how many trees that'll be? 400,000? Yeah, wow. That... I, mean, I mean, that's scary. It's, it's, it's almost like Eversource is bent on the deforestation of Connecticut. And that's concerning us as well. So what you've said, you, you've reached out to Pura, the, uh, oh my gosh, the, I'm trying to remember what Pura stands for. The public utilities. Agency. Yeah, the public, public utilities, utilities regulatory authority. Agencies. It's a mouthful. Right. It's a yeah, right. <laughs> right. So we just say Pura, and that's why I can't remember what it stands for. So, um, what what is their role, and and have they responded uh, to your concern? Yes, they have responded very positively in that we have not been the only ones who have written to them. The other towns that uh, are, are involved, people have written to them, individuals are writing to them. And if I may say, um, 
one of the things that they've done is assigned a special lawyer to all the cases that are coming in under what they call Motion 33. Um, and what we're, what we're expecting on August 31st is a ruling on the legality of this unvetted program from Pura. We want to make sure that uh, our first selectman um, is aware, for example, of what Hamden did, which your mayor and you and everybody else did, which was to turn uh, your utility company away because it was inappropriate and really in many ways, I think probably illegal. I think the other important thing is that we have asked our first selectman to stop Eversource uh, from moving ahead until we get this ruling from Pura. Um, our first selectman has chosen not to do that. She's moving on with uh, other, other things. Oh, that's too bad. We feel that way too. Um, but, you know, we haven't had a tree warden in Reading since November um, uh, of last year. And uh, so she's been our acting tree warden. And now we're getting a temporary deputy tree warden to fill in um, just with Eversource because Eversource is tagging. I mean, the scary thing is that Eversource is going up and down 3.7 miles of Reading Hill Road, a section of Reading Road, and Cross Highway in which I live, which is a scenic highway. And they're geotagging trees. Well, they're, I want... they're going on private property and they're geotagging trees if residents allow them. Well, I want you to, to share, if you would, the, the letter uh, to, I guess you wrote to your neighbors after the uh, arborist, I guess he was an arborist from Eversource came out to look at your property. Tell that story. It's pretty well, I'll be glad to tell you. Um, um, we invited him on the property. Um, you know, he, he was very personable, very nice. Uh, and he said he wanted to come and, and talk about trees and survey them that he felt um, were a problem. And he started walking around our property. We live on about five acres. We live in a, a lovely 1750 uh, house, uh, which we try and take care of as well as we can. Many of these trees are obviously old trees. And um, he pointed to a huge maple and he shook his head and he said, I'm worried. He said, the collar up on the trunk indicates that a limb has either fallen off or been pruned in the past. And then he looked around and he said, you know, a side of it has fewer branches. I think it's unbalanced, but, but I think it should go. And we said, why? And he said, it's so tall, it might fall. It would fall onto Eversource's wires. We looked at him. He is not a track certified arborist. And what is that? What's a track? That is, a, that is an arborist who is certified, has taken a, a terrific course in tree risk assessment. And they understand trees. They can scientifically study trees. They look at trees in a very specific way. Sam is not that. And when we said to him, well, how can you make these decisions? He said, well, I have 30 years experience. 
And then I kind of teased him and I said, but Sam, you work for Eversource, you know, isn't there kind of a conflict of interest there? And he just laughed. He said, let's go look at some more trees. Well, we walked over to um, a place near the, the road where we have a lovely stone wall. And he pointed to an entire lineup of trees. There's a gorgeous linden tree. There's a series of maples. It's a, it's a span of, of about 75 feet of, of property. And again, he said, oh, the fall zone's at risk. And, um, and we said, you know, that's a dramatic uh, removal here. That's a 75 feet or so. And he just shook his head and he said, let's go look at some more trees. All the time, he has his computer and he's inputting and I don't know how it's done, but technically he's inputting the information into the computer, which is known as geotagging. We went on, you know, we looked at some, some pine trees and, and he said, well, I think those should go. Um, we said, but again, what about the ecosystem and, and the other trees that are surrounding it? He said, well, he said, they might fall on the, on the fall zone. I think you ought to just get rid of these. If you would just sort of summarize about you had two other track certified people come and they said different, they gave a different, different views. We asked two track certified arborists to come independent of each other and look at the trees. They looked at the 15 or so trees that Sam said, take down and they shook their head. They said, this is ludicrous. Uh, one tree should go but they said all the others are fine. And they said destroying so many trees on one piece of property would be a disaster. Um, I, I wanna say that I really appreciate the work that you're doing. I mean, it's your own personal property, but being on the Reading Tree Conservancy and caring about trees in your town is so important. Is there something people, you know, who might be listeners who live in Reading, but if there's other people who just, want to know more. Is there a, a place that they can go that you can send folks to either support you or just to learn more about it? There sure is. It's Reading Tree Conservancy, all one word, at gmail.com. Okay, wonderful. I want to thank you so much for being with us. Um, I've been speaking with Janice Rothstein with the Reading Tree Conservancy, and I certainly wish you all the best I know that Pura has been making some good decisions uh, in the last few years, and I hope that they will make a good decision uh, on this very misguided effort by Eversource. Amen. <laughs> All right. Thanks so much, Janice. Take care. Thank you. Okay. Goodbye, Melinda. Yes. Bye-bye. So my guest now is Stan Heller, who is a longtime activist in Connecticut, uh, has a show, a TV show called The Struggle and is uh, very involved with promoting enduring peace. And um, Stan comes up with lots of ideas of things to do. And there's one we're going to talk about today. Um, so Stan, welcome to the show. Well, thanks for having me on. Yeah, great. So this is a concern that you and I share and lots of other people share, which is uh, gas-powered lawn equipment like uh, lawnmowers, but especially leaf blowers, which are the, is the bane of many of our existences. So just to tell, I know you've done some research on this. Talk a little bit about um, that research, what you found and, uh, and, and your proposal for dealing with it. Thanks. 
I don't know how we started with it, but uh, we've been concerned, of course, for many years about the amount of carbon and methane and all going into the air and uh, global warming gases generally. And we got down the road of, of talking about what is used for uh, lawn care and in parks and forests and stuff like that. And I don't, you know, there's not too many people involved with it. Um, so the, the big thing is that to take care of lawns, three billion gallons of gasoline are burned every year in the United States. And that's a staggering amount. And yes. it obviously contributes to the global warming gases. And then I learned a heck of a lot more. The most immediate problem is the toxic fumes that come out of it. I mean, I certainly knew about it, you know, whenever I used my lawnmower uh, and uh, whenever I was near anybody else uh, using, let's say, a commercial lawnmower. But I didn't think too much about its effects. But you read about it and boy, it, it, it adds to the terrible air pollution that's killing millions of people around the world. So there's the toxic fumes that affect anybody in the area, particularly the lawn care workers who, you know, let's say eight hours a day are using that gas powered machinery and sucking those fumes. And the, the third thing is noise, which is, <laughs> which is enormous. And, uh, you know, you think it's just irritating and then one neighbor does it and then he finishes, okay, everything is, oh, then the next neighbor starts it. And then some company comes in, et cetera, et cetera. And the noise is quite substantial. Again, the, the workers who are using the equipment face the, uh, the brunt of it, even though some of them wear these earmuffs, but it, it's a real problem. So that's, uh, that's a concern we had. And so we, we're based in Connecticut. So we said, well, let's, let's see what we can uh, do on this. And we thought as the first uh, thing, a low-hanging fruit perhaps, uh, would be to talk about land owned by the state of Connecticut. So, you know, going to consumers, you know, their little gas powered lawnmower, you know, how are you gonna tell them go to electric? But the state of Connecticut, that's something else. The state of Connecticut is flush with cash, had a big tax cut this year. And in Connecticut, 40 million gallons in our little state, 40 million gallons a year of gasoline are burned. So why can't the state of Connecticut on the land it owns, like land around buildings and parks and forests and uh, dividers and highways and so on, uh, that's their land and they, the governor could issue a decree to uh, phase out or just ban it uh, right away to, to go to electric or to uh, even say, maybe we don't need all this land that looks like a billiard table. Maybe we could uh, let it rewild and uh, keep carbon in there. So, so that's the kind of thing we've been really stressing uh, lately. Right. And I, I just remember when I, after the horrific tornado that devastated Sleeping Giant State Park, where I live in Hamden, um, I joined the trail crew and I, to, you know, to clear 32 miles of trails. And I lucked into a team that where the Sawyer was using, you know, an electric power saw. And 
I had, I mean, I, I, I was very aware that it, it was electric and it wasn't very noisy and it certainly wasn't polluting. Um, but I, I didn't really appreciate it enough until toward the end of, of the trail clearing, uh, we ended up near several other teams and everybody else, uh, every other, there was one other team where there was, the person had an electric uh, chainsaw, but I don't think they were working near us. So all the other teams, two or three other chainsaws that were going, you know, full blast were, were gas powered. And I'm telling you, it was so disgusting. Um, you know, the noise, but the pollution is just so horrific. So, you know, it's really, um, and that's another tool that, you know, of course there aren't as many of those. I mean, everybody's got leaf blowers and, you know, you pointed out just about everybody I've seen using leaf blowers, you know, commercially the people, and they always do seem to be men, the men are wearing, you know, ear protection, but none of them are wearing like protection from inhaling the stuff. Exactly. Yeah. Ought to be. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, yeah. So uh, didn't you find out previously some years ago, there was some effort to, to do some kind of switch uh, into cleaner, um, you know, uh, equipment at the state? It, well, in Connecticut, the, the state of Connecticut uh, appropriated half a million dollars back uh, 10, 12 years ago. And what you could do is you bring in your high polluting gas powered lawn equipment and they would give you lower polluting gas powered lawn equipment. So, uh, I mean, obviously that's not what we need now, but it's certainly a good precedent. That uh, that the state of Connecticut is, you know, has in the past used money to to subsidize this kind of program, and California. I mean, we should talk about other places. California is banning the use of gas-powered lawn equipment everywhere in that huge state starting uh, January first, uh, twenty-four. Right, let me let me stop you there because unfortunately, I don't think it's as good as that. I think they're banning the sale. But I don't right. think if you if if somebody already owns one, I do not think, unfortunately, that they're banning that. So it's oh, definitely you're a step. Right. I shouldn't have said use. Yeah, the yeah. sale of it. Right. Yeah. It's certainly a big step. And Washington, D.C., as of this year, January 1st, banned the use of leaf blowers in in uh, in Washington and maybe more. I don't remember the details. So there's, you know, there are efforts and a number of cities, usually well-heeled cities and towns, uh, you know, they have the wherewithal to uh, ban various uh, noise pollutants and, and they've done it. I think Palm Springs has done that. Yeah, yeah. So um, what, what would you, first of all, do, does the governor, Governor Ned Lamont, who's running for re-election, um, does he know about this uh, idea of yours? And um, do you think we could make it a campaign issue? <laughs> I would hope so. I mean, we did have a, an op-ed in, uh, I can't recall if it was the Connecticut Mirror or the, the Hearst Papers or, or maybe even both. I mean, that, that was some months ago. And, and we're starting a petition on this. Um, there was a, an event in Bridgeport, and so we began it there just, uh, I don't know, a week ago. And uh, it's a petition to Governor Lamont, and, and, sa and it says, uh, you know, let's, by your order, stop using gas-powered equipment on state-owned land. 
And, uh, you know, when we get a substantial number of signatures, we'll let him know about it. And wasn't there also, I mean, you said that the state is flush with cash because we're getting all this federal money um, in, uh, you know, from, I guess, COVID money, but there's also money from the infrastructure bill, which seemed to be, seems like it would be an appropriate use um, of that uh, mm -hmm. money to, because it is more, it is expensive. I mean, you know, to replace all the the power tools that the state owns and uses, I'm sure would cost a few pennies, but um, mm -hmm. it would be, I mean, the other thing I've heard is that it's, you know, over time, it you you make up the the uh, the cost over not too long a period of time, especially with gas gas prices the way they are. They're not gas isn't just for cars; it's for all this equipment, and you know it's four fifty a gallon now. Um, so that that and I think the equivalent for at least for charging a car is like a dollar a gallon equivalent. So, I mean, well, there was a piece in. Uh... NPR or, or somewhere uh, very recently saying the big burden or the big um, holdup uh, of going uh, to electric powered uh, equipment was the initial startup costs. So uh, I, I went a week ago uh, to see a company, uh, the Chiatapeta Fiero company. Uh, I met them at an electric uh, power fair and they're a lawn uh, company, a lawn uh, treatment company, if that might be the word. They take care of lawns and they use only electric equipment. And it was it was something. I mean, they have these things that are like Roombas. They use wires around various areas. And then they have these autonomous or robot lawn mowers that you barely can hear. You have to concentrate to hear the thing going. It even runs in rain. It can run at night. Um, they have a bigger lawnmowers that are, you know, that you, you can hear them, uh, but they're 10 times less loud than, than the conventional model. They, they have electric leaf blowers running on batteries and, and hedge clippers and so on. And uh, except for the robot lawnmowers, they power everything in this big truck. And what's, uh, it's not gasoline that they burn in the truck. They have uh, solar panels on top of the truck. And they generate enough electricity for their all their equipment. And they were at this uh, big condo, I think 185 units. And they, they're they there four days a week uh, taking care of things. And I assume he makes a profit. So uh, it's a business model that even now uh, seems uh, possible. Wow, that sounds so great because we're, you know, we're trying to have dinner on our deck and, you know, there's our next door neighbors have their lawn care people sometimes in into the dinner hour. Boy, is that annoying. It's just like, oh. Um, so we, we have to wrap up pretty quickly here, Stan, but um, I've been speaking with Stan Heller with Promoting Enduring Peace. And um, I mean, just take a minute or 30 seconds to explain why a group called in Promoting Enduring Peace even cares about this, would you? Oh, sure. Well, we've been around since 1952. And our big slogan is peace on earth, peace with earth. So, you know, heavy into, into environmental matters. And uh, so we've been quite uh, interested in this. And if I make it, may do a plug, we have a petition that I mentioned 
uh, to Governor Lamont on, on this issue of uh, getting rid of gas powered equipment. And the best place, it's, we have it in various places, but the easiest place, if you go to our Facebook page, Promoting Enduring Peace, go to that page, it's the second post down, and then you can uh, you know, click on click on it, it goes to change.org, and you, you do the usual things for a petition. So that would be a way to uh, learn more about this and, uh, and to actually make a message to our governor. Okay, well, thanks so much, Stan. Um, I love the idea, and I would sure love to see it. You know, I'm old enough this, <laughs> to remember <laughs> when these things didn't exist, and it was so much nicer. Um, but anyway, uh, thanks for being on, and good luck with that. Thank you for the opportunity of talking. You've been listening to The Forest and the Trees, Global and Local Perspectives on the Environment, with your host, Melinda Tuhus. Tune in on the second Saturday of every month at 9.30 a.m. here on WPKN 89.5 FM for more environmental news you can use. Thank you.